chapter 5, and I have good news. Verses 19 through 20. Which you'll notice is the end of the book. <laughs> oh, I love this text. I'm very excited this morning. You know, listening to you worship, I could feel my blood pressure dropping. I could feel the serotonin rising. I'm not kidding. I really could. At least I'm serious. I, I don't know if that's scientific, but I believe it. <laughs> it was beautiful listening to you guys, and I'm excited about this text today. James has been pretty harsh the past year and a half. And sometimes I get harsh, and James has been harsh on me. Somebody told me one time, brother, you're, you're killing us out there. And I was like, listen, you can come into my office. There's blood all over the floor every week. Because i got to live with this man for a week, every week with this brother James. But here he uh, restores us in his final moments. Verse, verse 19, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, there was a time when we all wandered. Lord, we wandered far from you. But you were jealous, Lord, for the worship of your children. And rather than let us go to the wrath and judgment, Lord, you sent your Son to destroy hearts and souls, giving us the salvation we needed, the righteousness we so desperately needed to acquire, and Lord, we could not have our own. So Jesus did this work without any help. Lord, bore his cross, endured the cross, and died for our sins. But he did not stay that way. Death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him, the stone was rolled away, and he emerged. Lord, victoriously triumphant for our salvation. Lord, that's restoration. And that's the restoration we need today. Amen. Within the church, there could be those that wander away from the truthful instruction of the Holy Spirit. They may leave the fellowship, stop attending church, break the important command to meet together in Hebrews 10. James writes that these persons should be brought back into the fellowship and restored with joy. Now, we have to make a distinction what it means to wander. Wandering does not mean you had to work on yourself all day. Wandering doesn't mean you were sick. Maybe so elderly and in frail that you can't really get out of the house anymore. That's not what the James is talking about. Wandering is not, I had to go on a trip. Oh, I might be a snowbird. I might be going somewhere for six months. That's not wandering. James is talking about those who are in the fellowship and they begin to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to make another distinction. There are some who reject because they have never actually been converted. Maybe they had a cultural Christianity understanding. Maybe they were raised in church and not in Christ. And that's all they understand is that, well, I don't really have to go because it doesn't do anything. There's even a Facebook post floating around out there that I don't really have to go to church to experience God. I would warn you, the God who you want to experience tells you in his word to group together with the saints. That's what going to church is. Church is not a social club that you have to attend or you lose your membership. Church is a blessing of believers who gather together to edify, sanctify, encourage, and even hold accountable each other. It may be easy to assume that the one who wanders or leaves 
were never true Christians in the first place. That is certainly a possibility, and we must confront that possibility. That's why the gospel is good for both the lost and the saved. The saved want the gospel, because true salvation remembers the moment that I went from life, I went from death to life, I went from, from, from in the grave to risen by Christ, I went from selfish and evil to wanting the righteous desires of God. So the saved love the gospel. They never tire of hearing it, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. I need the gospel right now, and I'm preaching to you about the gospel. And I need it right now to lift me and encourage me. It's a possibility that the person who is wandering needs the gospel, has not yet been converted. And since the gospel is good for those lost and saved, it never does any harm. Isn't it amazing? The gospel is like a glass of water. It never hurts. It never hurts. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. This is certainly a possibility that some would wander, but it should not be the first assumption. Or even worse, a lack of restoration because lack of salvation is assumed on part of the church and then undealt with. Well, they just left, so we're not going to worry about them anymore. That's dangerous. That's dangerous because what if that poor soul is struggling and suffering and under this burden of sin, and the church that's supposed to edify, sanctify, encourage, and hold them accountable has left them out there in the world, in the darkness, ignored. Right? Now, here's where culturally we hit a balance. Because let's say one Sunday you, you, you wake up and you feel a little sleepy. Sorry, it's just getting wet down. And your nose, and, oh, well, I'm still saying, oh, I'm watching on Twitter. How would you feel if I showed up one o'clock after church? Where were you? I went to a church. I saw, I looked at your chair, you chose everything. You'd be a little offended, right? You're in your pajamas. Go away. But if you were gone for, say, a month or two, and I never even reached out to you, how would you feel then? You'd feel offended in a different way. It's a balance. And that's why we have to meet together, because we learn about each other, we learn about our lives. I know most of the reason some people aren't here right now. You know my dad's not in my church today? You know I know where he is. They're having church down in the building. They just put the roof on yesterday. See, that's why we got to meet together. we got to know each other. That's why it's a blessing to know each other. I know certain people, if a week goes by, I see them a couple times. And others, I don't see them for a month because I happen to know their work schedule and where they had to travel that month. You know, send them a text, how you doing, praying for you. See, it's a blessing. That's not the wandering James is talking about. James is talking about a person in the church who begins to reject and wander from the Scripture. Who begins to believe, well, maybe there's other ways to heaven. They, they start listening to some doctrine, and there's no shortage of doctrine in the world to listen to. They start listening to some doctrine. You know, there's other ways to God besides Jesus. Or there's not a literal hell judgment. God, he's just so nice. Everybody's going to go to heaven. We don't even have to worry about preaching anymore. Some common heresy that's going on here. First John 2.18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many 
Antichrist has come. Now, I don't want to get into Revelation this morning, but I do want to focus on the many Antichrists. What is James saying here? Is there is the figurehead we know in Revelation going to come up many, many times? What John, John is saying is that anything that is against Christ is in fact anti-Christ. So your flesh, which chooses you over Jesus, is in fact anti-Christ. You guys with me? Okay. So, anti-Christ has come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. There's not going to be any more prophets. There's not going to be any more revealed words. We are in the last hour. The Lord, a thousand years is like a day to him. Day is like a thousand years. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Some are in the church, and they are not there for Christ. They're not of Christ, and they eventually will leave. I'm going to ask you to follow and ask Paul's friend, I'm going to blank on his name actually at the moment, but his friend who left him hanging. They leave, and they reveal their heart by their rejection of Christ. They choose something that is anti-Christ instead of Jesus. That's why they went out. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Now, this particular church right here, okay, in 1963, is not the end all be all churches. If somebody leaves here and goes to another church, they didn't leave us. That's not what John is saying. John is saying when they leave the church, the Christ church. Brothers and sisters, how many have you known who carried for a little while but then left? I myself have known many. And not just students, adults, servants in the church, even pastors. They went out because they were not called. And who is us? Is there something special we got going on here? There's only one special thing. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's us. We are His bride. We are His church. We are redeemed by Him. And those who leave, they left because they don't have Christ. Because only Christ can make you complete. Anybody can be a servant of God. Especially when church is good and the music's good and everybody's having fun and food and church parties and all this great stuff. Everyone can be but when they're going to start, when it's time to pull on the roof, when it's time to get served, when it's time to do for someone else and get nothing in return, suddenly, suddenly they don't reach out. You can look across church ministry for decades. Concerts, attendance is high. Church work day, it's a little bit more. This is very important. I want you all to please pay attention, and I, and I wrote this down specifically for this reason. In any religious group, there are people who are there for reasons other than the faith. Many have been saved out of cultural Christianity and lifestyle. Notice it is the person who is anti-Christ who has left. They left because their desire was all the things that Jesus died to save us from. They left because they're in total rejection to the work and the person of Jesus Christ. We must be careful of those who are anti-Christ. They disrupt the worship. They attempt to stop the preaching of the gospel. 
to the world and to the lost, we have but one message, the gospel of repent and believe in Jesus Christ. We cannot hold the world to the standards of Christianity. They don't have it. They don't understand it. There is only one way Jesus has provided by his death and resurrection, and that is the gospel. Repent and believe in him. That's it. When you're talking to a lost person, you are almost, hear me now, wasting time telling them about all their sin. Now, in preaching the gospel, you are talk about sin. You articulate certain things. But if you leave there talking all about their sin and you never talk about your Savior, what have you done? You might have made yourself feel good. You might have even warned them about their sin. But you didn't preach the gospel. Talk about sin and their sin if you don't talk about Jesus. You're not helping them at all. And those who have wandered, they may need this same gospel and the need to repent and believe. Let me shift gears a little bit. Those of us who consider ourselves mature, we have to be careful. We have to take care that we do not let fellowship wander over different ideas, beliefs, especially traditions, practices, and arguments over doctrine. Now, what do I mean? I do not mean the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of all and the only way to God. Somebody who disagrees with that, they do not have the doctrine. What I do mean is this. Well, at our church, we do four songs, and you only do three. We use this Bible translation, and you, pagans over there, we use something else. We have three services. You only have two. Different denominations, different ideas, and we're all arguing about things that we shouldn't be arguing about. Church wants to have 80 songs. You want to have more. You want to have six services on a Sunday? Do it. Amen. Don't put aside some other little corner of your life. Just because someone does not worship the same way you do, you must not write them off as far away from God. In fact, it is the Christian's responsibility to examine a particular worship service or style and see if it lines up correctly in Scripture with the worship of Christ. They're doing 85 songs, but if none of them are about God, what happens? And if one church is doing one little old song with ten people singing the old rugged cross, it is well with my soul they are worshiping Christ. One must not let their preferences their traditions and their upbringing color the freedom the New Testament gives Christians in how to express their worship. Like, do you guys know who you understand what I'm saying? The, the New Testament obeys it. That's why we have to test kids. That's why we have to pay attention. Because some church services really are not about Christ. They're about everything else. They're about the people. They're about the man, the preacher. They're about somebody, but it wasn't Jesus. And then we can have traditions and upbringings that we think is right, but the Bible never even teaches. Like Sunday service on the Sunday. I love that tradition. There's nothing wrong with it, but the Bible don't say it. Which means either we're doing something wrong, or there's freedom given to us by Christ. 
Paul did this not to shame Peter, but to restore him. Peter's the same one who in First and Second Peter declares that Paul's writings are in fact his inspired writings. So obviously this exchange did not disrupt their friendship or fellowship. In fact, we kind of read this with an American dramatized idea of Paul standing there looking like John Cena. Peter, I hear it. Who are you, okay? And that's probably not it. I think they're in a house upstairs in another room. I think Paul went right over to him and said, Peter, this is for you. And Peter, who, by the way, is struggling now with the ministry aspect that is very difficult. I'd love to see how we would have handled all that. Peter, who immediately, according to the context, says, Peter, how much sweeter is that? How much, how, how much more gentle is that than the drama we often put into these situations? Paul did this to restore Peter. We must not be ready to correct and shame others if we are not willing to put in the work to restore. Restoration is the bringing back of those who have wandered away and they can be restored. Just to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Here is Paul's thoughts on restoration and what he does to Peter. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, uh-oh, you who are spiritual, you who know what's going on and have always known and raised in it and got all the answers, you who know should be the ones who speak. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. See, if the spirit is not gentle, if it's not about, hey, it was a mistake, it was a slip-up, here's how we're going to do better, we're going to leave past it. There's one thing I've tried to do with my children, because I think they appreciate it, and I do too. As soon as we get to, I'm sorry, we're done, it's over. I'm not bringing it up anymore, I'm not bringing it into a long day life lesson. It's over. We're moving on. I want joy restored as soon as possible. And I want the grievance put away as soon as possible. Jesus does this for you. God does this for you, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad after Judgment Day, God's going to come to you and you? That's what comes from the forest from the east to the west. You should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. Because precisely, we have the ability and the capacity and the fleshly desires to do wrong and we do it so easily. Somebody cuts me off and says, I can't believe it. Don't you know I'm going somewhere? I've got to get to church and preach. How dare you cut me off? No one did this for me. It's okay. You're still doing it. Keep watch on yourself. So who should I be watching? Instead of watching everybody else, right? The classic cartoon with the neighbor looking out the window. I wonder what the Johnsons are doing. Apart, but he's, he knows, right? Keep watching on ourselves. Because we are the ones who are being tempted. Someone else is not being tempted by my sin. I am. I keep watching on myself, lest I am tempted. Then we get to verse 2. Bear one another. 
brothers and sisters. Paul was there in Petersburg. I'm going to help you to meet Jesus Gentiles. I am here with you, brother. I am in the trench. I am in the ditch. I am fighting by your side to get this gospel out there. I'm not going to leave you. If you like that, I'm not going to leave you. I am here for you. Are you for your brothers and sisters? Are you there for them? I'm so glad. I can't tell you the amount of people in this room looking at me right now, but I know if I called, they'd be there for them. They would be there for you. Not their life, they would be their best. They would be their best. Paul was bearing Peter's burden when he opposed him. He did it out of love and care, not a desire to be right or have power over Peter. He did it gently. Those who think themselves spiritual are going to be compelled by the Spirit to put this text into action. None in the church are above falling into temptation. In fact, you are in more danger than you think to admit and can't possibly help. You are far better than you want to think it is. It can happen to me, and I'm going to actively every day make my purpose Christ. So you don't fall into temptation. So be ready to heal and restore graciously, for you may be the one who needs restoration in this. How much better is it to have those whom you have previously loved and helped return that love and joy in your life? This is one of the things that I believe the church should be up to. But this process won't be quick or easy. One must be ready to invest real time and effort in restoration. It deserves the level of attention and care that it should have. I know social media is often a hot topic, but anybody ever seen videos that have been recovering artifacts and restoring them and cleaning them? I get to watching some of these videos and time just flies by. I should be going to sleep. I'm watching somebody scrape the rust off as an old World War II German submachine gun that they dug up in the middle battlefield. It's, it's incredible to watch what they do. And I know nothing about it, so I'm like, what kind of solution is that? How do they know it's not going to make it worse? And they're stuck. And it's careful. It's love. Now, think about yourself. What does sin do? Right? It rusts, it corrodes, it destroys. And the Holy Spirit is just gentle. He's gently taking the water of the Word and he's washing from it the corruption and restoring it to be like Jesus Christ. I love that. And it is such a beautiful picture. In James, he says in verse 20, that whoever brings a sinner back from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Please go to 1 Peter. Chapter 4, verse 17. I can't tell you what you're saying. You can always tell when you're feeling love and God. The Holy Spirit is sticky right now around people's ears. First Peter 4 8. The love of the church. And fellowship covers sin. This is because when the church loves, they demonstrate the nature of Christ and proclaim his glory to their love. Peter 
Peter says, the same Peter, by the way, who was opposed by Paul. Peter says, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Not to get things in return, not to appear spiritual in front of the fellowship, but earnestly, authentically, honestly. I love you because Jesus loves me. It is compelling me to love you, not because I have loved you. Since love covers a multitude of sins. I love this sin. Anybody here ever bought paint or something they were doing in their house, and as you begin to apply it, you suddenly realize, I may have not bought it after all. Or maybe I've been in this situation, that's all the color they had, and I promised my wife the room would be that color. So I really hope this works. I really hope it reaches the entire length, right? God is not willing for us to ask for that. And there's no amount of sin that He cannot cover. And we are given the job, the, 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 the goal of covering each other. Because when you fall just a little bit and stumble, I can reach down and pick you up and lift you up and cover you in that moment. And then I'm going to trip and fall into something and you're going to cover me. I mean, we can apply any number of battles for analogies of covering somebody. But think about it this way. You know when there's a house fire, and the fire department tries to stop it, and you get heavy rain, and there's somebody sitting there looking over their house, burning, smoldering. All they can do is say, hey, we can put this blanket over you, and this is all we have in the world. The covering love of Christ will cover you and give you peace and joy no matter what the situation or circumstances, and you'll feel more comfort by His covering of love than anything else. This is why love is so important. Because it covers our sins in the sacrifice and work of Christ. We can stand before God in Christ blameless and holy. Love fixes what everything else fails. This is restoration. This love of God shared and shared again until everyone's sin is covered. And we are changing and moving our unbreakable love of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Help each other. Be there for each other because when we are, we truly are. We truly are the one that loves you. Cover yourself in this love today. And seek a brother or sister that is in need of restoration and covering. James ends his book with a call to restoration and worship of Christ. After being harsh and giving out much wisdom, he ends it with the final words. You will cover a multitude of sins. The worship of Christ is the worship of His restoration in our hearts, which leads to our prayers. We are thankful. Let us pray. My Lord, I thank you so much for not just having accomplished the goal of preaching through this book. But Lord, for the life lessons that have been imparted to us, the wisdom that you have given to us through your word. James is often called the Proverbs of the New Testament. 
and the wisdom it teaches certainly points us that decision. This key part has been instruction in faith and wisdom for our Christian living. Lord, this work has grown and deepened that our hearts. And as we spend more time in it, it's going to continue to do that. We should return to it often and without delay, not because it's the book of James, but because it's the word of God. And we should return without delay, for the wisdom it contains brings us deep and everlasting life. Lord, I thank you so much today that I can look back and I look out across this room at covered saints. And I know there are covered saints all over the world. And there are covered saints traveling, and there are covered saints sick, and there are all manner of circumstances, but they are covered in the love of Jesus Christ. And they have been restored from their walk in Jesus Christ. And Lord, if any of us wanted, let us promise them we will go after them, we will seek to restore them with the gospel and with sanctification, and we will join them in the fight in their heart. Lord, let us not think about each other as wayward friends, but instead, loving brothers and sisters. And you have told us, you died for your people. How much more should we tell a world sick of them? Cover us, Lord Jesus, in your love that only you can. In the name of Jesus, amen.